going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hope everyone's having a good week so far. I am sick right now. I hope it doesn't sound like I am. I don't know what I've got. It's so funny. I think we got a review like a while ago that was like, there's there's a couple things that we know about this podcast is that A, they're going to be sick. And I can't remember the other fact. Oh, that was a while. We were sick a few times that year, I think. But I haven't been sick in eight months. So nevertheless, you're still here today uh, recording this show. I showed up. So thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you so much for everybody who recommended this case. There's a lot of them. I think this is maybe our most recommended case. Thank you to Jill, Jessica, Carly, Shelby, Brad, Andrew, and Katie. You guys are amazing. I can't believe how many people suggested this one. And the fact that I hadn't heard about it until we dove into it recently. So please make sure you share this episode. All right, guys. This is episode 259 of Going West. So let's get into it. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. In December of 2016, a 28-year-old woman left her insurance job for the night and disappeared. The next morning, her car was found, but the location of her body remained a mystery. With numerous eyewitness accounts, phone pings, and surveillance footage, someone from her office caught the eye of investigators. This is the story of Danielle Stislicki. Danielle Ann Stislicki was born to parents Anne and Rich Stislicki on February 28, 1988 in Redford, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. She was the first of three daughters, later joined by younger sisters Holly and Jillian. Danielle was a true Midwestern girl, fun, friendly, and kind. She's described by friends and family as the life of the party, bubbly and big-hearted. She cared about everyone and is remembered as a people person who was responsible and conscientious. She surrounded herself with a large circle of tight-knit friends, including her best friend from childhood, Sarah Pollock. Danielle graduated from Redford Union High School in 2006 and later began working alongside her mom at Metropolitan Life Insurance Company, better known as MetLife. 
and MetLife plays a really big role in this story, actually. So MetLife had recently begun leasing office space in the Galleria Office Center, which is a large office park about 15 minutes north of where Danielle grew up in Redford. The office center is home to dozens of businesses, a cafeteria, a bank, a convenience store, multiple buildings, manicured gardens, and a massive parking lot out front. In December of 2016, Detroit was preparing for Christmas to come, like everybody else, and bracing for a winter storm with multiple feet of snow on the way. 28-year-old Danielle herself was spread thin between work and holiday festivities with friends and family. And on the first weekend of December, again 2016, she was thrilled to be taking off early to spend some much-needed time just recharging at dinner with her best friend, Sarah. On Saturday, she was scheduled to work a full day starting at 8 a.m., and on Sunday, she had some nice plans to decorate her grandparents' tree with her family. On Friday, December 2nd, 2016, Danielle left work around 5 p.m. to meet Sarah. Now, she texted Sarah as she was leaving, telling her that she needed to stop briefly at her apartment to pack a bag, planning to spend the night at Sarah's house before heading to work the next morning. And they were planning on meeting up at 6 p.m. Now, Danielle lived in a ground floor apartment at the Independence Green Apartment Complex in Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is about a 15 minute drive west of her office. And that text would be the last text that Sarah would get from Danielle. Later, Sarah texted her, quote, Are you alive, LOL? Weird, I haven't heard from you. You're making me worried. A text that would go unanswered. Sarah, while alarmed, knew that Danielle was working a lot and had been a bit burned out lately. So she assumed that Danielle had gone home to get ready and maybe accidentally fallen asleep. But the hours passed and Sarah didn't hear from her. Now, the next morning, Sarah stopped by her house. And according to Sarah's report, she pounded on Danielle's door, screamed her name, honked her horn, and called her dozens of times. Calls which were going to voicemail. There was no sign or word from Danielle, and not a peep from inside. So Sarah, now officially concerned, called Danielle's parents. Meanwhile, at MetLife, time was ticking by, and Danielle had not shown up for her 8 a.m. shift at work, and had also not given them any notice an occurrence which was totally out of character for someone as responsible as Danielle. And I just got to say good on Sarah because she doesn't know that Danielle didn't show up for work, but the fact that she's taking it this seriously, knowing that she isn't hearing from her friend and that it is really bizarre and out of character and that she goes over there and does all this stuff and then contacts Danielle's parents. Because remember, Danielle is 28. She's a grown woman, but... This is amazing that her friend was this concerned. And also, when you have plans like that to stay over at somebody's house, and then you all of a sudden just don't show up, I mean, obviously, that's definitely concerning. But then, you know, to not hear from your friend or hear an excuse as to why they didn't show up, that makes it even more horrifying. Well, so her parents, who again are Anne and Rich, rushed to meet Sarah at the Independence Green Apartments where Danielle lived. And it was about 30 minutes from where they lived in Fowlerville, Michigan. After conferring with Sarah, they noticed something strange in the parking lot, Danielle's car. Her black 2015 Jeep Renegade, dusty and coated with mud, was parked not even 10 feet from Danielle's front door. 
Using the spare key of Danielle's that they had for emergencies, her parents let themselves into her apartment, but they found nothing out of the ordinary except that Danielle, along with her keys, purse, and cell phone, which was a Samsung Galaxy Core Prime in a rose gold case, were missing. The interior of the car looked normal as well, with no sign of a struggle. Her mom remembered, quote, Everything was there. Her car, her ID, cash, credit cards. We don't think she even made it inside her apartment after work. Repeated calls to Danielle continued to go to voicemail, meaning her phone was either off or dead. So with this, you know, Ann and Rich called the police. And Anne remembers hoping that it was just a simple misunderstanding that maybe Danielle had run out for some reason and would be back later that day. But as the hours ticked by with no sign of or word from Danielle, that possibility seemed to grow increasingly slimmer. While police wondered if her absence could be voluntary, Anne argued, quote, Danielle just doesn't randomly not show up. Danielle makes commitments. We're incredibly concerned that she is not here. On December 19th, 2016, police officially announced that they believe Danielle had been met with foul play. And remember, she went missing on December 2nd, so this is December 19th, that is 17 days later. That is a lot of time to go by for them to just start saying that she was met with foul play. But we are gonna get into the details of how the investigation unraveled here in a minute. So Danielle's family and friends circulated missing posters. They raised funds for a reward and created a Facebook group. And the Farmington Hills police even adorned their squad cars with the hashtag find Danny. As police began putting the word out about Danielle's disappearance, witnesses came forward from her office park claiming to have seen her talking to a man in the parking lot on the evening of December 2nd. Multiple people saw a man who also worked in the complex with the hood of his car propped up, talking to Danielle around the time that she left work that evening. The man that she was seen speaking to was a security guard who worked in the lobby of the office building where Danielle worked at MetLife. Now, the security guard's name was Floyd Galloway, a name that was familiar to Ann Stislicki because her daughter had been concerned about him in the past. Now, according to Danielle's mom, in the months leading up to Danielle's disappearance, 29-year-old Floyd had made several advances towards her, and she was well aware that he had a crush on her. So she claimed that he had been showing up at her cubicle and in the cafeteria, even though he worked for the building and not MetLife. So this is kind of weird. Like, what are you doing? You're on the job. Stop harassing this girl. Well, yeah. And if he works security and then he's going into one of the businesses in the building and going directly to her cubicle, like that's like really, that's like super out of line. Yeah. You know, get, that is not where you work. Right. And get this. This is how Floyd was described. So people were saying that he was charming and smooth talking. Danielle had told her mother that it was strictly platonic, especially since she had found out that he was married. Not only that, but his wife was in the midst of battling cancer. Now, Floyd's lawyer downplayed the dynamic between, uh, between Floyd and Danielle, however, saying, quote, They knew each other. They were friends. But based on eyewitness accounts, who reported Floyd seemingly having car trouble and then observed him speaking with Danielle, her parents surmised that Floyd had likely lured their daughter 
into her own vehicle with this sob story of his car breaking down and then asked her for a ride home. Which we have seen in other cases. Right, we have. So Danielle's dad theorized, quote, out of her kindness to want to help others, she was probably fooled and taken advantage of. And things escalated to a point that there was no way out. Especially because they know each other. If this is what happened, she probably wouldn't feel too uncomfortable helping him because they had a platonic relationship, even though she did say that she was kind of concerned that he was too interested in her, you know, that he had made so many passes at her and she was trying to reject him softly. So, but still it would make sense that she would at least help him out knowing who he is. Right. And not some random dude. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's not some stranger like she had seen him many times before, even if you thought that he was maybe a little aggressive about, you know, his crush, uh, still, she knew who he was. Exactly. So police combed the area for any sign of Danielle or her keys or her phone or just any evidence leading to what fate may have befallen her that night. And like clockwork, clues began to fall into place and each one seemed to bring them closer and closer to Floyd. Surveillance footage revealed what looked like Danielle driving her own car with Floyd in the front seat away from the office shortly after 5 p.m. on the evening of Friday, December 2nd. So that obviously does not look good at all. Yeah, because that is the night she went missing, the night she was supposed to meet Sarah, but didn't. So one detective remarked, quote, That appears to be Danielle Stislicki's vehicle. You can see the very significant dirt area on her car. A coworker of Danielle's also confirmed that he saw them leaving together in her Jeep. So, I mean, that's pretty big if a witness is saying that he saw, he knew who both of them were and saw them together. Yeah, and now you also have surveillance footage, so even better. It's all just falling into play. So surveillance footage then surfaced from a local Tim Hortons, which if you're unfamiliar, it's like a Canada-based coffee and donut shop. So security footage from inside the restaurant showed Floyd entering at 8.38 p.m., asking to use their phone, and then calling for a cab. This Tim Hortons was located just a few minutes away from Danielle's apartment complex, by the way. So the driver, a woman named Sylvia Morris, picked Floyd up from the restaurant and dropped him at an apartment complex directly across the street from where he worked with Danielle. And by the way, their office sat in between Danielle's and Floyd's home. So this is not his apartment complex across the street from their work, but back to the cab driver. So when asked how Floyd was behaving on the drive, Sylvia, the cab driver, responded that he was acting very calmly. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. 
With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up. And this is why we have Dash Pass by DoorDash. Dash Pass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, as well as member-only deals and discounts. Which is why Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with Dash Pass. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. So before that break, we were talking about how Floyd got a cab back to like the area of the office where he worked, but he got dropped off at an apartment complex across the street, which is kind of weird considering your car is in the parking lot of the office. So Floyd obtained counsel immediately, and both he and his lawyer, who was interviewed alongside Danielle's parents for Crime Watch Daily, maintained that he had nothing to do with the disappearance of Danielle Stislicki. His lawyer said, quote, he didn't do this. That's his position. That's not Floyd. Not at all. Adding that he wished that he had a magic wand to bring Danielle back with. I mean, I'm just, that's not the first time we've heard that from Very a guilty person. Yeah, true. But uh, Floyd was also their only suspect in this case. A detective who questioned Floyd and Danielle's disappearance testified that, as they were interrogating him regarding Danielle, quote, his demeanor was kind of standoffish. He wouldn't look at us. Kind of stared off at the wall when we were talking to him. His hands were shaking. Seven days after Danielle went missing, Gary Mayer, the police chief of Troy, a nearby suburb, received a tip from a colleague and friend that Danielle's missing belongings, her keys and her cell phone, as well as her body, had been discarded near the intersection of Grand River Avenue and the entrance ramp to Highway M5 in Farmington Hills. Now, this area happened to be directly in between Danielle's apartment and the Tim Hortons from which Floyd was picked up from. When police investigated the tip, they were able to locate Danielle's car keys and the Fitbit that she had been wearing the day that she disappeared. But unfortunately, there was still no sign of Danielle. And the tip came at a high cost, as it would wind up compromising the entire investigation. But we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. So two days after Danielle was uh, last seen, just going back a little bit, Floyd was pictured on security footage purchasing a white comforter from an area Bed Bath & Beyond. One detective said later, quote, She goes missing. You have a new comforter on the bed. He doesn't make a lot of money. That's a pretty, that's a lot of money purchase. Based on these accounts, investigators had enough to obtain a search warrant. Now, Floyd shared a home with his wife, of course, Eileen Galloway, in Berkeley, Michigan, which is about 20 minutes drive east from Danielle's apartment in Farmington Hills. 
As we said earlier, Eileen was sadly suffering from cancer and she recently had started chemotherapy. Police searched their home not one, not two, but three times. And it became so disruptive that the Galloways moved in with Eileen's parents. They removed evidence from the home, including floorboards, the mattress, and pieces of the carpet later found to have Danielle's DNA on them. Testing revealed that the materials removed from the home did not have blood on them, leading forensics teams to believe that Danielle had been strangled in Floyd's home. Carpet fibers were also found in the trash, as if maybe he had tried to dispose of relevant evidence, which never looks good. While police were not in possession of her phone, cell tower data showed that it had pinged in or around Floyd's home. So again, he lives like 20 minutes away from her apartment, so there's no reason her phone should be pinging in the area of his. But, you know, the more pressing matter is how the hell did Danielle's DNA get inside of his home? Well, right. I mean, that is like hugely suspicious. That's massive. But the difficult thing here is, you know, like I said, police are suspecting that maybe he had strangled her in his home. And so maybe if there had been blood, it would have been more concrete evidence that she had been murdered in there. But without that, it's just that just kind of says, oh, she was here. But did anything nefarious happen to her? It's like police know something did, but they can't prove it in a court of law right. with, with just this. But of course, then there's the suspiciousness surrounding the fact that carpet fibers had been thrown into the trash in Floyd's trash. You know, that doesn't look good for him either. So it's like we have all this suspicious information, but it's like not quite... Enough. Enough. Yeah. So this is where things get really messy. So Eileen was one of six children, including a sister named Elizabeth. And according to Elizabeth, quote, I've known him for over 10 years. We've always loved him. So the family was shocked and appalled by the allegations against him. They did not think this was within his character at all. Elizabeth, just hoping to clear his name, shared a missing poster of Danielle's on Facebook. And Elizabeth's family was apparently really upset that she had shared the missing poster. And this made Elizabeth suspicious that they either knew something that she didn't about Floyd's involvement and were covering for him, or that they suspected him of being involved, but were just turning a blind eye in order to protect him. Because you would imagine if here's Elizabeth saying, oh, I'm going to try to clear his name. So I'm going to post about her disappearance and try to solve it or try to not solve it, but get it to more people's attention and hope that it's solved and it's not Floyd. And then for her family to be like, take that down. That looks really weird. Yeah, but either way, this did not sit right with Elizabeth. And she claims that she met with a police sergeant to discuss her suspicions of his involvement including an eerily foreshadowing conversation that she had with Floyd. About a year and a half before Danielle was ever involved, Elizabeth remembers having a conversation with Floyd about how he was struggling with an addiction to porn and that he had been having thoughts of cheating. Elizabeth claims that she was told by the sergeant that, in addition to the other evidence and witness sightings against him, there had also been a witness who had seen Danielle with Floyd outside of the home that he shared with Eileen in Berkeley on the evening of December 2nd, which would have been the last sighting of her. Due to the active nature of this investigation, police will neither confirm nor deny this sighting, but this, along with the amount of evidence that they removed from the couple's home, did not bode well for Floyd. On July 19th, 2017, 
seven months after the disappearance of Danielle Stislicki. Police announced that they no longer expected to find her alive. In addition to the suspected abduction and murder, Floyd had another charge on his growing rap sheet. So in September of 2016, about three months before Danielle's disappearance, a woman in Livonia, Michigan, which is a northwestern suburb near Berkeley where Floyd and Eileen lived, was attacked while on a jog. In her 911 call, she said, quote, This guy just tried to rape me, to which the dispatcher replied, Why are you saying that he tried to rape you? The caller answered, quote, Because he tackled me while I was running and tried to pull my pants down. According to the young woman, who was never publicly identified to protect her identity, she had been jogging alongside a path in Hines Park on September 4th. Her attacker approached her from behind as she was running and wrapped his arm around her neck, dragging her into the wooded area along the path. Sorry if you're on a jog right now. He threw her to the ground and hovered over her as she yelled at him, what do you want? To which he responded, I just want sex. She eventually was able to scare him off, and after asking for a five-minute head start, he fled the area. The jogger at this point lay in the grass until she was sure that he was gone, and then ran to the road and flagged down a car, whose driver let her use their phone to call the police. Along with her account, she gave a description of the man who had attacked her, a description that fit Floyd to a T. This being before Floyd was suspected in the kidnapping and probable murder of Danielle Stislicki, since it was, what, like 15 months before? Police had very little evidence that would lead them to the attempted rapist. But after the Farmington Hills police force handling Danielle's disappearance compared notes with the Livonia police seeking the attacker in the attempted rape case, the two suspects began to align. Based on the jogger's description, a police sketch artist drew a rendering of the man, which looks eerily similar to Floyd, and which we will, of course, post on our socials. However, this theory was dashed when the jogger did not actually select Floyd in the police lineup either time that it was conducted. So police turned to DNA comparison and attempted to connect foreign DNA obtained from the jogger with DNA collected from Floyd's home in the connection and disappearance of Danielle Stislicki. And they had a match. In June of 2017, Floyd was arrested and charged for the assault and attempted rape of the jogger and everything police could feasibly pin on him without actually locating Danielle's body, including kidnapping, assault with intent to uh, commit sexual penetration, criminal sexual conduct, assault with intent to do great bodily harm, and assault with intent to murder. It's just crazy that she wasn't able to select him in a lineup. I mean, it had been around nine-ish months after her attack. Maybe it wasn't that fresh in her mind. Obviously not her fault at all. But it is really interesting that she didn't select him. And then it turned out to be him anyway. Because if we didn't have that DNA and she hadn't selected him, you know, it, what evidence would point to him even though it was him? Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't be in this position right now. So Floyd also continued to maintain his innocence. So while his legal team worked overtime to attempt to find holes in the argument against him, police, along with the FBI and members of the Secret Service, searched Hines Park, where Floyd had attacked his first known victim, to see if he had returned to the site 
to dispose of Danielle's body, but sadly, they found no trace of her. Meanwhile, Eileen Galloway filed for divorce, and she never spoke publicly about the situation, nor did her family, aside from Eileen's sister Elizabeth. She now believes that Floyd is to blame for both the rape attempt and the kidnapping and murder of Danielle Stislicki, and campaigned to help Danielle's family in their pursuit of justice. So in a post shared to her LinkedIn page, Elizabeth wrote, quote, My sister, Eileen Galloway, has been suffering and fighting leukemia for over a year now. Amidst having her home raided by police all throughout December, I'm not sure what's going to happen with her husband, who has not yet been charged with anything, but was seen with Danielle's dislicky the afternoon of Danielle's disappearance. Still no alibi from him. She, Eileen, is going through so much and does not want to talk to anyone about any of it because she and the rest of my family are very private people. She, along with all my siblings, I'm one of six kids, are not talking to me right now. Long story. But I know Eileen will need help getting through all of this. Any financial support she could receive for medical bills and whatnot would be greatly appreciated. Danielle Stislicki is still missing. I set up a fundraising page for her family. Money does not bring people back, but may help to illuminate the support of the entire community and help them in other ways. I do not know the family very well personally, but I do know that the general public, human beings in general, like to care about and invest into good things. People care. This whole situation is such a mess. I want to help as many people as possible that are being affected by it. This is chaotic and wrong that Daniela is still missing, and my sister is so sick. Both of our families are suffering. Please help me help. Thank you. Blessings to all. And in the post, she added links that she established for both Danielle and her sister. But unfortunately, Eileen succumbed to her cancer on January 20th, 2018, at just 31 years old. On December 8, 2018, almost two years to the day that Danielle disappeared, Floyd was sentenced to 16 to 35 years in prison for his attack on the anonymous woman in Hines Park, who also bravely testified in person against him, although her identity remains concealed to the public. While technically not on trial for the abduction and murder of Danielle Stislicki, her story was made very well known to the courtroom. Danielle's mom, Anne Stislicki, even testified on her daughter's behalf. The trial against Floyd Galloway in the case of Danielle Stislicki has now been postponed and rescheduled multiple times, most recently set for March of 2023. In November of this year, a judge made the decision to ban key evidence from the trial, evidence that would likely have secured a guilty verdict for Floyd in the matter of Danielle's murder, even when her body has yet to be found. As we said earlier, the Troy chief of police who performed uh, Floyd Galloway's polygraph examination called the police chief of Farmington Hills and revealed key information, which was later used to incriminate him. Floyd's legal defense argued that that was privileged information and that sharing it with another precinct was not only unethical, but also unlawful. Floyd's attorney claimed that the source of the tip was not properly documented, and that was the basis with which they obtained the search warrants for Floyd's home, making the entire process extremely problematic. 
His team then took this accusation to court and won when, in November of this year, 2022, a judge ruled that the evidence revealed in this exchange would not be admissible in court. But obviously, being able to use this information would have been major for the prosecution. In the words of a Farmington Hills detective privy to the information from the call, uh, he said, quote, The tip read in quotes, the security guard did it. He drove the victim's car to the house in Berkeley, from his house in Berkeley, to her apartment, then walked to Tim Hortons at 10 and Halstead, where he called Shamrock Cab or something like that, to where he received a ride within walking distance to his work where his car was parked. So that, that is what this tip said that now cannot be used. So Danielle's legal team and, of course, her family and friends were very saddened by the ruling. And Anne, her mother, said after the decision, quote, Our family is disappointed in these results and will continue to support the judicial appeal process and effort for the true story to be told. The public should also be aware that Floyd is currently in prison for sexually attacking a jogger that was fortunate to escape just three months before Danielle went missing. But she also said that this would in no way deter them from finding Danielle, saying, quote, Stand on the top of the highest mountain you can and scream her name. Do not stop screaming until she's found. Danielle's sisters, Holly and Jillian, along with her best friend Sarah, all got tattoos in Danielle's memory. Sarah got a depiction of herself and Danielle sitting on a swing looking at a shooting star. Her sisters pulled Danielle's handwriting from a card that read, quote, I love you so much, XOXO Danielle. These gestures are a step in the right direction, but Sarah said, quote, It's not enough yet. To have her home would be closure. The constant wonder of where she is and when we're going to be able to say goodbye. Jillian added that her friends and family took some solace in knowing that Floyd is now locked up saying, quote, it's nice to know that he's behind bars and he can't do it to somebody else. And Holly and Jillian have another special way of honoring their sister. When they go see movies, they always buy an extra ticket for Danielle so that she can come along. Their mom Anne said of this tradition, quote, it's heartbreaking that they wanted to do that, but it was also a wonderful thing to be able to say, she's in my heart, she's with us, and she would have enjoyed it. But they're also very scared because it's a crazy world. I don't know if it'll get easier. We've come to some peace that she is not alive, so she's not out there suffering. I think coming to that peace of police saying we're looking for remains, that is something that we've all come to peace with. But then it's the next step of bringing her home. As of this episode, Danielle has been missing for just over six years. She stood at 5 feet 5 inches tall, weighed 123 pounds, and had brown hair and brown eyes. On the day she disappeared, she was wearing blue jeans, burgundy-colored boots, and a black zip-up shirt, and a blue Eddie Bauer winter coat. Danielle had numerous tattoos, including a koi fish on her hip, popcorn, peanuts, and candy on her foot, a constellation on her shoulder, and a phoenix on her lower back. Her nose was pierced, and she may have been wearing glasses. Daniela had previously broken her leg and therefore had titanium rods in one of her legs. 
If you have any information on the whereabouts of Danielle Stislicki, please call the Farmington Hills Police Department at 248-871-2600. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Friday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. Thank you so much again to everybody who recommended this case. And everybody else out there, don't forget to share because Danielle still needs to be found. Her family is desperate for answers. And, you know, luckily, like we said, Floyd is in prison because to us, it does seem like he is likely responsible for her supposed murder. But still closure needs to happen so please share this story especially if you're in michigan Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in as always we love you so much and happy december yeah and if you guys are looking for more episodes of going west head on over to our patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash going west podcast there's a ton of ad-free full-length episodes and some of them are international i'm gonna go eat some soup and binge white lotus but we'll see in a few days All right, guys, so for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger.